Well, good morning, Grace Church. It is great to see everyone this morning. Why don't you look at your neighbor sitting nearby, give them a big smile, tell them good morning. Hey, it's Sunday. It's beautiful outside, and we're expecting a move of God inside. Amen. 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 Go ahead and clap your hands to the Lord by way of welcoming his presence here today. You know, God is doing great things, and uh, I in my, you know, when I meditate, when I pray, I, I just think in terms of, of the kingdom of God is advancing. It's moving forward. We're a part of that, and Grace Church is definitely uh, a part of what God is doing. And I'm, I'm so excited this morning just to, to tell you, and, and I'll be very brief in my comments, but as you have probably observed, God is doing so many marvelous things through our students. It's like they are just leading the charge. Um, today, in a meeting we were in, Sister Ferry used the word energy. They bring a lot of energy, a lot of, a lot of, of, of just anointing. And uh, last weekend was a tremendous weekend for our students. Uh, we had an outing Friday night uh, for our junior high and high school. Saturday night, we got uh, together and did a social event with our college students. And then last Sunday morning, what a move of God we had here at church especially among our students. Amen. Amen. And I want to say I'm thankful for all of our leaders, uh, serve team leaders, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers. I'm thankful for Pastor and Sister Murphy's leadership, uh, just giving these students room to grow, giving them room to serve and do awesome things. And uh, so Wednesday night you heard from, from our JV uh, worship band, I think is what we're calling them. They did a tremendous job, just ushered the presence of God in. Today we're going to hear from Loria Love standing right here. She's going to play the guitar and sing. Uh, again, another one of our students just plugging in, allowing God to use her talents and anointing her uh, to lead worship. And so this is what I want us to do. Lariah's going to sing and play, but we're going to worship with her. We're, we're not here to just observe or be entertained, but she's got an anointing on her. She's going to lead us into the presence of God, and we're going to worship with her. Amen? If you believe that, would you clap your hands as Lariah Love comes to lead us in worship? Hold it all together. Everybody needs a strong. But life hits you out of nowhere and barely is you holding on. And when you're tired of fighting, chained by your control, there's freedom in surrender. Lay it down and let it go. So when you're on your knees and the answer seems so far, the storm you'll wonder if I love you still but if your eyes are on the cross you'll know I always have and I always will and 
Let's stand and give the Lord some worship. Thank you, Jesus. Tremendous, tremendous. Lariah, well done, well done. Wasn't that anointed? Didn't you feel the presence of God through that presentation? Tremendous, tremendous, tremendous. And again, you're going to be hearing more from our students in the coming services, coming months and, and days. God is just using them tremendously all over campus in so many ways. As the praise team gets ready to lead us uh, further into the presence of God, I do have a couple of things I just want to remind you of very briefly while you remain standing. Tuesday morning, prayer in the sanctuary at 10 o'clock. And then it's hard to imagine that I'm about to say this, but our Christmas service is December the 19th. Sunday morning, 11 o'clock. We're only about, just right at about a month away from that service. Unbelievable. Don't know where the year went, but here we are. Bring somebody to that service. Bring your family, your friends. It's a great chance to introduce somebody to the Grace Church environment. December 19th, Christmas service at 11 o'clock. In that service, we'll be receiving our Christmas for Christ offering as well. Final announcement, make sure the church office has your address updated, current, because right after the first of the year, we'll be sending all of your contribution statements that you need for tax purposes. So make a note of, of, of that and, and get uh, updated with the church office. Amen? Amen. We're getting ready to praise the Lord, of course. And I uh, came across something very interesting. The old rabbis said that when Messiah comes, that all of the old 
sacrifices from the Mosaic Law, the tabernacle, all that, all those sacrifices would cease when Messiah comes, with the exception of the sacrifice of praise. And Messiah has come. The sacrifices, the old law was done away with when he tore that veil in two. But the sacrifice of praise continues. Maybe that's what the writer of Hebrews said when he said, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, giving thanks to his name. Continually. This is a sacrifice that never ends. It never stops. We have an opportunity to give praise today. Clap your hands to Jesus as the praise team leads us.
may be darkest, your light is greater. You light our way, God, you light our way. Evil is rising, you're rising higher with power to save, with power to save. Oh, alive, you keep hope alive from the beginning to end. Your word
Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have today. Give glory and honor to you today, Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, almighty God. The one who brings hope, who is our hope. We exalt you, Jesus. We praise you.
hand on us today. We say that you inhabit the praise of your people. Lord, did we lift you up? Lord, as we lift you up, you enter in. Lord, abide with us today. Come in. We invite you in.
Let's keep this going a little bit longer. Lift your hands to the Lord this morning. His presence is saturating this auditorium this morning. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We magnify you today. You are great and holy, high and lifted up, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the environment where miraculous things happen, changes take place. Praise the Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lamb of God. Praise the Lord. It is good to be here this morning to have an opportunity to convey to you the burden that I've had on my heart for this church at this time, in this moment. I don't normally I don't say that pridefully, but I know, I know how much God loves you, and it is awesome. I know how much God loves you, and it is incredible, and it is awe-inspiring. The scripture which will launch us in today's message is from the book of James, and our initial reading is going to be from the King James, but I'm going to refer back to it just for your knowledge. I'm going to be using the New King James Version. James, as we know, was the half-brother of Jesus. And he was a man who rose to prominence in Jerusalem after the Jerusalem church, after Peter left to establish new churches, do an evangelistic journey. James kind of stepped into that position. The church in Jerusalem was primarily composed of Messianic Jews, people who knew who God was. And was during the period of James's leadership enduring hardship from many myriad of places, from famine and poverty to persecution. As we read this passage of Scripture in James chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, please remember that these people that he was speaking to were followers of Christ. They had a background in church. Verse 10 says, Take my brethren the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. Pay special attention to that phrase. Have seen the end of the Lord that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. Can we pray this morning? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord God, for saturating this auditorium with your spirit, dear God, for being here. Lord, we pray, Lord God, that you move on our hearts, Lord Jesus, that we are receptive, that we are receptive to your voice, Lord Jesus, and your voice alone. That we walk forward from this place, Lord God, with renewed vigor, Lord Jesus, with your power, Lord God, being made manifest in our lives. In the precious and holy name of Jesus, we say, amen. You may be seated. I believe that my purpose here this morning, and I, I, I will tell you in a few moments, I, I, my mind was constantly barraged by this message leading up to this service. I believe that my purpose here this morning is to prepare you and encourage you for what lies a little bit further down your path. Now, that's a pretty generic statement, and it's pretty safe because 
what preacher that gets behind a pulpit isn't preparing the body of Christ for what lies further down the road. But I feel something very, very strong in my heart. As I began to move forward in this thought, uh, preparing for this morning's message, I realized there was a symmetry in the messages that have been preached across this pulpit over the last several weeks. There was a symmetry. I believe that this message is an extension to what those messages have been. It's, it's, as I began to research it and, and look at it, it's obvious to me what God is, going, is trying to do in his church body here at Grace. God is preparing. He is intending to prepare his people for what is coming in their future. Now, I'm not saying this to elicit fear or anxiety, Sister Casey. That's not what I'm here to do. At the end of this message, this is what I believe is going to happen in your life. I believe you're going to be straining at the bit to get out those doors and do something for God. I believe that you're going to be overwhelmed with the, with, the, with the desire to exercise your faith so that you can see the power of God expressed in your life beyond what is contained in these walls. I believe that God wants there to be a manifestation of His presence in your life, not just for you, but for those people that need to see something authentic in Christ. And in the Christian community. I believe the Lord is preparing us. It's very interesting. I believe the Lord is preparing us by illuminating, illuminating aspects of his process. His process. Rather than revealing the specific components of his ultimate plan. You know, I like to watch. I like to watch cooking videos and read food articles. Obviously. Is not, duh. I, I love watching that. And when I watch it, I'm not really watching, this relates back to my last statement, I'm not really watching it for the, for the specific ingredients or, Brother Billy, for the, for the recipe. I'm, I'm, I'm watching the process of the chef so I can replicate it as best as I can a little bit later to varying degrees of success as my beautiful family will attest to. So I'm interested in the process. That's what God is doing. He's not giving you the recipe. He's showing you the process. It is the methods and the processes that we need to be aware of as we move forward. So if you pay attention for just a few minutes, for a few minutes you're going to look at the things that you're going to face or maybe are facing right now a little differently. This is where we are today. We had a beautiful worship service, a beautiful praise service. This church, you group of believers, in addition to many others, we have existed in the last two years within a vortex or a, a whirlwind of a, uncertainty. We have to acknowledge that. That's, that's just the facts. We can't get beyond it without acknowledging it. Some of you have faced serious frustrations and obstacles in your life. 
circumstances that have caused you to question your connection to God. You have strained under the burden of what you have endured over the last few years, several months. Could have been family dynamics have shifted in your life. Marriages have been strained. Anxiety and fear has entered your lives like no other time. Tragedy has visited some of your lives. Sickness has taken root in your body. And for some of you, doors have been shut in your face. That's what you have existed up, up until this point. Yet in the last few weeks, in the last few weeks, if you have noticed in this church, Grace Church has had a breakthrough. Can we give the Lord praise for that? This church does not exist in the same place that it did two months ago. We have had a shift in the spirit in this place, a breakthrough in the Holy Ghost. You can see this in the renewed vigor in our praise and in the willingness to linger after services. It's beautiful. The enthusiasm as we sing and lift praises to God, the reciprocated presence of God, which saturates our services. We have had that breakthrough. And with that in mind, this is something, this phrase and this principle that I'm going to share with you in just a second. It's, it has been repeated over and over and over in my mind for me to tell you this morning. And that is... A breakthrough is not the finish line. It's the starting point. Your breakthrough is not your finish line, ladies and gentlemen. It is not where you stop and rest and set up tent and, and live. Your breakthrough is not your finish line. That is simply the place that you begin to do God's will in your life. You don't exist waiting in the breakthrough. God is wanting his people to move forward from this place. That is what my message is about this morning. You should not, do not judge the vibrancy of your relationship with God by the sudden smoothness of your walk or the ease of your current circumstances. That's not how we judge the vibrancy of our walk with God. That breakthrough, that breakthrough or that rich spiritual experience that you have longed for, that you have needed. It is not the crowning achievement of a believer's life. It is not what you have been working toward, working through for the last two years, so you can sit back on a, on a seat and enjoy the peace and calm for the rest of your life. That is not what you were designed for. I wasn't going to yell today. Good luck with that. So this breakthrough is not the crowning achievement of a believer's life. I understand. I understand that we want it to be. It is in, reali in reality. Somebody needs to hear this. It is the platform from which you will be launched into something deeper in God's plan. I understand that that we, may, that we may want to linger in the moment of, of this change from this heavy burden into this wonderful experience that we're having right now. I, I understand we want to linger here in the environment of the refreshing. That's only natural. 
But that place of refreshing, that, that place of reprieve that you are feeling in this moment, it is not meant to be the place of permanent residence. We are not meant to build a home in this atmosphere or become rooted to this place. Hallelujah. God's plan extends. God's plan for you, Grace Church, extends beyond the breakthrough into the environment of your enemy. Why? Why? Because there are victories that still need to be won. Battles that have yet to be fought. Strongholds that still stand that God wants to be torn down. These are the things that lie along the path of our lives moving forward. The thing that we don't necessarily like, the thing that we don't necessarily like is that those things, those miraculous, powerful things are accomplished when we step into that place of darkness and storm. Brother Ben, I just left that. I understand. Enjoy the breakthrough. Enjoy the breakthrough. It's beautiful. It feels good. But don't put your armor in the closet. Don't hang your sword in the, in the safe. You're going to need it in a little bit. This, what I'm talking about, is the process of God. Let us, let's look again at our text in James chapter 5, verse 10. Verse, verse 10 says, My brethren, take the prophets. Okay, that sounds great. These, uh, these incredible individuals of great spiritual achievement and service. I'd love to look at their lives. Who spoke in the name of the Lord. That's right, they existed. We think, in, we think this, they existed in a perpetual state of power and accomplishment. These people spoke in the name of God. They, they accomplished things. They were instruments of God's will. I'd love to look at them, James. As an example of suffering and patience. Wait a minute. That's not, a, that's not where I thought we were going. Let's, let's look at their lives of great spiritual achievement and, and power to be inspired. I, I don't want to look at it because it also reflects difficulty and, and hardship. That's the example. That's the example I'm supposed to take from those great men of antiquity. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. This sounds like lives that have seen the power of God manifested on the other side of the breakthrough. This sounds like lives that have existed beyond those, beyond those calm places right after the storm. goes on to say, you have heard of the perseverance of Job. And we are all uh, understood the examples and the circumstances of Job's life. He was a man who was a devout follower of God, who, who through his suffering, through his suffering, educated millions of believers across centuries of the, sovereign, of the sovereignty and the love of God. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord 
is very compassionate and merciful. The life of Job was a study in the long-term processes of God. That's what the life of Job was. The long-term processes of God. James was writing this to a people who needed context for their lives. He was writing this having the entirety of Job's life laid out before him. James was not laboring through each high and each low, each burden and each breakthrough. He saw Job's life from wealth all the way to wealth. But he also saw what lie in between. See, we are fixated on what's happening right now in our lives. We have our recent history, the last few years, fresh in our minds. And we say to ourselves, we made it through. We made it through. And the natural tendency is that we want to abide in the calm a little while longer. I understand that. We want to bask in the breakthrough. But we need to understand that victories are always on the other side of battle. The totality of God's plan is not accomplished in a life that exists constantly saturated in light. The intended end of God's plan must go through darkness. Here's the thing that we need to remember. God is God in the fire and God in the darkness, just like he's God in the light. The darkness and the chaos of our lives should not instigate fear and anxiety in the believer and the follower of Christ. Those moments of turmoil, uncertainty, and darkness and storm are the environment of revelation and victory. If you remain in, in the breakthrough moment, in that calm after the storm, you will have an anemic spiritual life and not see the intended plan of God manifested in your life. We are exposed, ladies and gentlemen, to the power of God when we are buffeted by the winds of this world, not when we tarry in the calm of our lives. There's another principle that we need to take away from this message this morning. And that is great things in God's plan are accomplished in the storm that cannot be accomplished in the calm. You have longed in your heart for a deeper relationship with God, for for things in your life, for your loved ones to see some manifestation of God's presence and power. And, and you want them to know that God is real. You can't have that happen in your life if you exist in perpetual calm. This point is made crystal clear through the experiences of many people in the Bible. We begin in chapter 14 of the book of Matthew. This chapter in the ministry of Jesus and the education of his disciples happened. There was the, the horror in this moment. You begin reading from chapter, uh, verse 1 with the horror of John's beheading. This was a titan. 
among the ministry in the Bible. This man was the precursor of Christ. He pointed to Jesus. And yet in the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus' disciples saw this man beheaded. This great prophet of the New Testament was murdered at the whim of a sin-sick mind. This event, no doubt, shook those who followed this devout man who always pointed toward Christ. What were they to think? They were reveling in the power demonstrated in John's life, and all of a sudden the man was beheaded and dead. They felt adrift. And immediately after this horrific incident, the followers of Jesus witnessed one of the greatest, most expansive miracles in Jesus' ministry. Immediately after this occurrence, we saw the feeding of 5,000 people of the miraculous work of God's hands. The disciples of Christ, freshly aware of the death of John, had a breakthrough moment as they realized the divine providence of God. They went from the horror of John's death, walked forward in a few moments in time, and saw God do, Jesus do an amazing thing. Matthew chapter 14. Speaks to us of the power of God demonstrated in the darkest of moments. Jesus' disciples saw thousands of people fed from the pitiful lunch of a little boy. Verse 15 says, When it was evening, his disciples came to him and saying, This, Lord, this is a deserted place. And the hour is already late. It's getting dark outside, Lord. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go anywhere. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and, and the two fishes. And he, looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and, and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up the 12 baskets full of the fragments that remained. Now, those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. We like to call it 5,000. There's no telling how many it was. It could have been as many as 10 or 12,000 people. There is no limit to the power of God, regardless of the circumstance that you may have just got out of. God can do it. This is a moment in which Jesus' followers were comforted by the manifest presence of Jesus. How many of you just a few moments ago felt the manifest presence of Jesus Christ in this auditorium? The presence of God walking down the aisles and ministering to you as you praised and glorified Him. And yet as He's doing this, you have the fresh memories of the pain that preceded this moment in your life. It was His hands that broke the bread and it was His hands that divided the fish. And when the multitude were finished eating, it was their hands, it was the disciples' hands that held the evidence of God's power. It's profound when you think about it. 
it is into this environment of the miraculous that something very interesting happens. It is into this atmosphere that we begin to see the intended end of Christ's plan. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, immediately there was the death of John, the burden of that horrific death. There was the calm, the breakthrough moment of seeing the miraculous hand of God at work. And immediately after that, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now let me tell you something about Jesus. He is God incarnate. The Lord knew what was about to happen to those disciples. It was no surprise to him that they held 12 baskets of the miraculous remnants of his work. And he was sending them into a place of incredible danger. And the potential for fear. Scripture said immediately Jesus propelled his disciples into a boat onto a body of water that he knew was going to be pummeled by a storm. I, 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 I kind of believe if the disciples knew what was coming, I would have think they said, Lord, well, you know, dessert is in order. You know, I, I love the fish and the bread was fantastic, but how about some cheesecake? What do they eat over there, baklava? I, I don't know. I'm sure it would have been good if Jesus made it, right? Lord, let's stay here. It's beautiful out. Look at all these happy people. Let's visit a while until the storm passes, preferably. But the truth is that his disciples, from that place of wonder, were thrust into darkness and storm by the divine plan of God. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes, the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain by himself to pray. Now when the evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. When it was completely dark, there wasn't a star in the sky. The only thing that illuminated the wind on the waves was the lightning. These men at approximately 3 o'clock in the morning looked out on of a boat that was beaten by the waves and the wind. These men were exhausted by hours of storm. They looked out and they saw I believe illuminated not by a bright sun, but by the flash of lightning in the storm, dominated by night, the form of a man walking on the water. They went from the breakthrough of the miraculous feeding of the multitude to, to this moment of darkness. But there was something in this moment. There was something in the darkness that they couldn't learn while Jesus was feeding a multitude. And that was you have got to depend on God and believe that he is God in the storm as well as in the bright sunshine. They went from the breakthrough into the darkness. Why? Remember what I said earlier. Great things of God. Great things of God's plan are accomplished in the storm that cannot be accomplished in the calm. In the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went into them walking on the sea. Jesus didn't wait until the sun was blazing in the sky. He didn't wait until the storm had passed. 
and the sea was calm. He came in the darkness, in the storm, for a reason. Peter didn't exit a boat in the bright sunshine, in a placid lake, enjoying the calm of the breakthrough. Jesus purposefully in introduced those men to an experience that will reveal a truth about him and about themselves. Verse 26 says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, Is it a spirit? And they cried out in fear. But straightway Jesus spake to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. That was the instruction of Jesus to those men in an environment where fear was natural. It's, it's easy in the breakthrough when everybody's lingering up here at the, at the front of the church to have your faith as high as possible. It's easy. But what about when you step out into the storm of your life that you left on the outside of the church building that has defeated you in the past that God wants you to have victory over? Be not afraid. There was no point in introducing those men to, to be without fear as they held 12 baskets of fish and bread. Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, thou, if, it be, if it be thou, bid me come on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Let me tell you something, church. We are not meant to reside or, be, or to become stagnant in the place of blessings and calm. If you long to see the power of God expressed in your life or the life of someone you love, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to get out of the boat and step into the storm and step into the darkness. This expression of divine power in the life of Peter could not happen in the calm, in the peaceful breeze, in the bright light. It could only happen in the chaos of storm and darkness. God is the same God in darkness as he is in light. There's something that we need to understand. God does not set darkness and storm in our path to destroy us. It is for the purposes of revelation and victory. It is part of the process of moving us forward to his intended end. We want to judge the experience at Grace Church right now in this moment as a success. When God is looking years down the road and telling us, I know you're going to go through some pain and some darkness and some trouble, but oh, wait till you get to the end. That breakthrough moment, you're going to see that as just a plateau that I'm propelling you forward into something greater. The greatest revelation of the reality of God happens in those places. Grace Church, that we lack control. In those places of sickness, in those places where that, that plan that you had thought was going so perfectly suddenly hits, suddenly hits a wall, in those places where your designs fall to pieces and you don't know where to turn, it is in those places that we normally pray to God for, to restore the calm so that we can pilot our own boat and to see where we're going. We begin to look in those moments for the next breakthrough. But you need to remember something, ladies and gentlemen, that a breakthrough is not the finish line. It is simply the starting point. 
Do not fear the darkness and the storm. It is into that environment that the presence of God is best expressed in your life. It is in that environment that we become, in that environment, that we become the instruments of God in this world. Those other disciples who remained on the boat. This is something you have to understand. Please listen to me. Those other disciples, Peter was not alone in that boat. Other people who followed Christ was there. He had his, his, the other body of Christ was there. The rest of the members of the church were in the boat with him. Those other disciples who remained on the boat, they needed to see Peter and Jesus contrasted together against the backdrop of the storm. They needed to see both of them against the, con against the backdrop of the storm. That's not the only example of this principle in the Word of God. Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the great nation of Babylon, needed to see those three Hebrew boys in the furnace along with the fourth in the likeness of the Son of God. He needed to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego with that fourth supernatural being against the backdrop of the furnace. Those young men could have remained safe in their positions. They had advanced within their, cap the ca their captive system. But that was not God's intended end for their lives. Babylon needed to know who God really was. And he used those three boys in a furnace to accomplish it. Not in the comfort of their rooms, enjoying the food of kings, but in the furnace. The children of Israel were exuberant and joyful as they exited Egypt. Generation after generation of burden and pain was replaced by the exultation of freedom. A great cloud of affliction was lifted from their hearts through the deliverance accomplished by the Lord. They walked out of Egypt by the hand of God, enjoying the moment of reprieve, the beauty of the breakthrough. But between that moment and the promised land was the education and the victory at the Red Sea. Again, reprieve, liberation, and breakthrough as they marched across the dry seabed and as their enemy was destroyed by what was just a moment ago an obstacle that was in the culmination of their walk. Their promise was not located on the opposite bank of the Red Sea. That was not God's intended end for His people. Because between that victory at the Red Sea and their promised land, battles had to be fought and battles had to be won. There needed to be the removal of idolatry and the establishment of the truth of the one God message of their lives. For you to go from this place to where God wants you to go, uh, go You've got to know who God is. These things were not done in the quiet and the calm, but in the fire and the darkness and war, in the crucible of the movement through life. Why is this important? Why is this important? Because Israel could have stayed slaves in the place of familiarity and calm. But that wasn't the intended 
end of God's plan. Their liberty and moment of respite as they looted and left that, their former masters was not meant to be the culmination of their experience with God. The breakthrough is not the totality of God's plan for your life. Somebody down the line needed to hear about the God of that triumphant refugee people. Someone else needed to understand through the experiences of the Israelites just who God was. Who needed to know? I know of one woman who was bound to the evil of this world, caught up in the cycle of survival. A woman surrounded by worthless idols, the philosophies and directives of a lost world, surrounded by the manifestations of ignorance. This woman's name was Rahab. This woman was a prostitute her life for years bound to humiliation and sin. But then she heard about God. She heard about God. She heard about a God that, was ex that expressed himself boldly in the storm and in the darkness. She heard about a God who accomplished things in the lives of his people. Not in the calm, but in the storm. This woman who is in the lineage of Christ who is in the lineage of Christ needed someone else to endure so that God's intended end could be accomplished in her life. We are so me-centric. We want the comfort of the calm as long as we can. But there is someone in this world who God has placed you in their lives and they need to see what you do when you step into the storm and into the darkness. <laughs> Joshua 2 and 9 says, And she said unto the men, these spies that were sent to spy out Jericho, and says, I, she said, I know, I know. This woman whose life was filled with filth, she says, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and that your terror is fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard, ladies and gentlemen, Grace Church, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you. And when ye came out of Egypt and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan... She says, we heard about that. And the only way that she could hear about it is that that people who, who had the respite and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the breakthrough moment as they left Egypt, they didn't camp out on the other side of the Red Sea. They began to walk in the intended end and the plan of God into places that would engender horror and anxiety and fear. But they did it because they knew that God existed in the thick darkness just like he did in the bright sunshine. Yeah. Verse 11, And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did they remain any more courage in any man because of you. Because of you, Grace Church. 
For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath because you were obedient and you understood that the breakthrough is not the finish line but just the starting point. Bringing us in for a landing is probably one of the shortest messages I've ever preached in this church. Somebody say praise the Lord. You don't really have to. I'm just thinking. I am so excited. I know that this message may seem heavy in a certain circumstance, but you do understand what the intended end of God's plan is. You are not meant, somebody needs to hear me today. You are not meant to be a fearful people cowering in the calm. Afraid to step foot outside of the beautiful glory of a beautiful Sunday morning worship service. You are not meant to be a people fearful cowering in the calm. God has placed his spirit in the lives and God has placed his spirit in his children so that they may walk forward into the storm, into the battle, so that a victory can be won and a revelation of truth of God can occur. I am not looking at a bunch of people who have camped out in the breakthrough. I tell you what I feel in my heart as I came here this morning and that God gave me this message. I believe I am talking to seat after seat of warriors that are intended to tear down the strongholds of Satan that have existed in their lives for too long. God has made you to be more than conquerors, not people waiting and cowering in the calm of the breakthrough. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Not only to you, not only to you, this is not only for you, but to every person who has the good fortune to be acquainted with a child of God. I don't know who you're going to see Monday as you step forward into your job. I don't know what you're going to face next week or in January when the calendar rolls around. But I know that you're a warrior and you're not meant to stand on the sidelines. Your breakthrough is not the finish line. It is your starting point. I'm not here this morning to give you a good report of fair weather in the future. That's not what I'm sent here to do. I'm not here to tell you it's going to be all better in 2022. I've got some real news for you. This world's not getting any better. This world's not getting any better. And God has not designed you to stand isolated from the conflict. You are his vessels meant to be used for his glory and for the revelation of his reality to this world. Not having a spiritual life that exists only for two hours on a Sunday morning in the glow of His presence as we worship and praise.
the other side of the breakthrough, you can stand. On the other side of the breakthrough this morning, this, this world is going to try and suppress your testimony. It's going to try to muzzle your voice and muzzle your declaration of faith. It may try to shut this church down. But these walls, this campus, that's not the church. Take a look around at the warriors in Christ. Take a look around. You are the church of God. And He has made you to conquer, not to cower in the calm. Your family members are gonna, they're gonna stumble. They're gonna abandon the faith. But we're not designed to stand on the sidelines and watch them slip into hell. We were not designed to get through things and to just get along. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about Jesus. It's gonna cost you. If you talk about him, it's gonna cost you. If you stand for the principles of faith as outlined in this word, it's going to cost you in the future. But that pain is not the end of God's intended plan. It's just the place that you pass through to give Him glory and to show the reality of His truth to this world. You have got a pathway forward, ladies and gentlemen, and on that path, you will have manifestations of divine power, of divine victory, and divine revelation. It is a pathway that leads to the intended end of God's plan. However, to see those things accomplished, somebody at Grace is going to have to step out of the boat, not close to shore, not when it's bright sunshine, not when everything is going their way, Somebody's going to have to step out of a boat in the middle of the storm and in the middle of the darkness so that God can demonstrate His power through you. Somebody at Grace is going to have to resist the world and step into a place of heat and fire. Somebody's going to step into the furnace so that their life is contrasted against the heat that they face. Can we lift our hands and our voices to God this morning? I believe that God is going to do great things in your lives, church. I'm here to tell you this beautiful thing that you might be walking a road alone. You might feel the heat of this world. You might be surrounded by darkness. You might be buffeted by the storms of this world. But God needs you to step out of a boat. He needs you to step into the furnace. He needs you to cross the Red Sea. He needs you to move in the power of the Holy Ghost. When all things stand against you. That's right. Move forward. If that seat, if you haven't grown roots in the seat, I encourage you to move forward. And let God begin to speak to move you into a place that might be uncomfortable so that you can see the power of God that you have longed for manifested in your life. Worship the Lord this morning. Pray, church.
can have your attention just for a moment. I've come to the conclusion over the past several weeks as I've had the opportunity to sit over here and listen and absorb what comes across the pulpit. I'm not sure if we always interpret what we hear the way the speaker, even the way God would intend for us to interpret what we've heard. Maybe we don't understand it. But I believe with all of my heart, we've seen the culmination of ministry over the past month. Even what happened here last Sunday. We've seen the manifest hand of God. I, I don't know how anybody here could deny that. I also think we get caught up in routine. We have our culture that pulls in the complete opposite direction. We fight all of that all week. But I want everybody here at Grace Church to know that over the past weeks and even today, we've heard once again from God. God has given us, to some degree, a forecast that things are not going to get better on some level or another. There's going to be things that we all have to battle through, and it could go as far as challenging your family structure. It could challenge the food on your table. We don't know what's ahead. But what I heard today is God is going to steer and guide His church through whatever He desires, whatever He plans, for the benefit of others. That's what I heard this morning. Not for our benefit. I believe Peter knew who it was walking on the water. He just needed a little affirmation. He knew, and I believe that's why he stepped out of the boat, because he knew who was waiting for him outside the boat. I believe, I believe Peter knew that. But again, as Brother Ben expressed, that wasn't so much for Peter as it was the other 11 that was still on the boat that needed to see that. We are living epistles. We're living epistles. And who knows in how many backsliders, how many people you work with have been watching you for months and you never knew it, you never suspected, never thought. And they're waiting for that, for that crucible, for that moment where something comes on in their head, a light comes on and says, you know what, I need what you have. We've got to maintain We've got to keep moving forward. We've got to keep our faith high. We've got to keep battling through our situations, our circumstances. And I want to encourage everybody here to understand, when you walk out the door, there's a Rahab out there somewhere that's looking at you. Their heart is already melted because we have survived some stuff already. We've gone through some stuff already. I'm thankful for Grace Church, and I'm proud of Grace Church. We made it through some stuff. Hallelujah. And as I preached to you a couple of months ago, this bunch, this bunch is going to do the will and purpose of God as we're moving forward again. So I want you to move out of here today. When you leave out of here today, please let your heart be full of faith and know that God is directing your path no matter what happens. That's hard for me to say right now, but I'm saying it in faith. God is directing our paths. He knows where we are, but more than that, He knows where we're going. Clap your hands to the Lord today. God bless you in Jesus' name.